Hey folks, Andy Patton here. Rasir Bolton officially became the last Gonzaga starter to declare for the 2022 NBA draft. We're going to talk all about what that means for the Zags and discuss a player from his alma mater, Iowa State, that Gonzaga is looking at in the transfer portal. We also discuss some 2023 recruits the Zags are pursuing and talk a bit about Mark Emmert stepping down as the president of the NCAA jam-packed episode, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to take you through an off-season for the Gonzaga basketball program, and it is packed already with information. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day, and those of you who have checked the show out on our YouTube channel. Over 500 subscribers at this point, trying to get to 1,000. Hit that button if you haven't yet already. All right, today we are starting things off talking about Roz Bolton. Today they announced the players, the early entries into the 2022 NBA draft. I know it's kind of funny to consider somebody like Bolton an early entry, but because he still has eligibility at the collegiate level because everybody got that extra year because of COVID. So he is considered an early entrant into the NBA draft. He now makes five, count them five, of Gonzaga's five starters have declared for the 2022 NBA draft. It is not clear at this point if Ross has hired an agent or not. He did post something on Twitter as kind of your your typical thank you to the the fan base, thank you to his family, his friends, thanks to the coaching staff, you know, that kind of post. It was nice. I'm not trying to belittle it. It was a nice message, uh, especially from a young man who really embraced the Spokane culture the way that he did and and went out and and helped the community in ways that very few players uh, in Gonzaga's history have really done, but also very few players who only spent one year in a Gonzaga uniform really getting involved in the community. We've talked about that uh, at length with Bolton, but it's, it's worth repeating every time we talk about him because I think all of Gonzaga as a school and all of college basketball, it's its more than basketball. And for him to be somebody who's willing to use his platform and use his NIL opportunities to raise money for less fortunate people in the city of Spokane is a, is a wonderful thing. And if he's truly done at Gonzaga, it will be sad, not just because of his ability to perform on the basketball court, but because we will be losing an outstanding member of the Spokane community. Right now, it is very, it's still up in the air what Bolton is going to do. I think I've been on, operating under the assumption that Bolton is not going to return. He's been in college for a very long time. He's had aspirations to play professionally his entire life. Uh, he has his degree, but he does have another year remaining and he seemed to really like it in Spokane. So there is, I would not close the door on Bolton coming back. I think that it's probably not opened very wide. I think it's probably a less than. chance that he's coming back. I never really saw it to begin with, but 
Gonzaga does have some openings. He would come back and, and either start right away or compete for a starting spot. I, I'd be surprised if Salas and Hickman both automatically started over him, considering he started over them last year. I think we could see some three-guard lineups, depending on what Julian Strother decides to do. Uh, but they're clearly a role for him. If he wanted to come back, he'd be one of Gonzaga's highest-profile players, one of their best players if he were to return. I'm not sure he's going to get a lot of super positive feedback from NBA scouts just because of his size, because of his inconsistent three-point shooting. He hasn't, you know, he was a knockdown three-point shooter for the Zags last year, but he wasn't that in his first three years at the collegiate level. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how that shakes out for him. I'm not sure, you know, I, I would be pretty surprised if he got drafted. I'd put it that way. He hasn't been showing up on any mock drafts. He hasn't really been considered even like a top 100 NBA prospect, but that doesn't mean that he wouldn't get signed either to a two-way contract potentially or at least to a summer league deal uh, with the potential to end up in the G League or, of course, overseas where he would no doubt be a highly sought-after player because of his talent. But it's it's unclear exactly what he's going to do at this point. And frankly, it's it's we're in a situation where it's unclear with basically all of Gonzaga's starters. Chet Holmgren, there's no debate there. He is out the door. Andrew Nemphard, zero debate there. He is out the door because he by declaring for the NBA draft for a third time this year, he no longer has the ability to return to school. So Nemhard gone. No, there's no if or but, or maybe he's gone. Chet Holmgren, gone. Technically, he could return, but he's not going to. At least we have not heard whether Chet Holmgren has hired a NCAA-approved agent or not, but it does not matter. It is irrelevant. He is not returning. The other three players, though, all still up in the air. And this is impacting Gonzaga in a very significant way, in a way that I think I talked about a little bit on Mailbag Monday and other people have been discussing uh, on on other Gonzaga podcasts or uh, other forms of media. I I know that the, the NIL concerns and the lack of Gonzaga getting anybody in the transfer portal has definitely kind of brought some consternation about whether Gonzaga is going to continue to be able to keep up and are they going to be able to afford some of these players. And I can understand why those are concerns and I'm not belittling them or even saying that they're not justified or real. I think that there is some reason to at least be weary of that. But I think a huge chunk of why Gonzaga hasn't landed uh, anybody so far this offseason and why they haven't landed some of those high-profile either recruits or transfers is simply because of the uncertainty around their roster at this point. We do not know if Drew Timmy is going to come back or not. We do not know if Julian Strother is going to come back or not. We do not know if Rasir Bolton is going to come back or not. That's a huge chunk of production, of talent, of spots for a team that plays eight men almost religiously by Mark Few standards. He doesn't like to go deeper than that. He doesn't want to play. He wants to play seven or eight if he can. If three of those spots are completely undetermined at this point, and then two of them are going to go to Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman, you just don't have a lot of leeway. You don't have a lot of movement, and it kind of puts them in this really tricky spot. And it is very unfortunate because it is not... It's not a fault of anybody's. You can't get mad at Drew Timmy or Strother or Bolton for, for feeling this out. This is just the way that this process works, is you're allowed to do this. You know, none of these guys have their names in the transfer portal, so it's not like, oh, they might not go to the NBA, but they may not even stay at Gonzaga. These dudes are all pretty much NBA or bust. Uh, NBA, I should say professional ranks or bust, because some of these guys may not make the NBA, but that doesn't mean they're coming back. They may end up pursuing other professional opportunities, but it still puts Gonzaga in a... In a 
treacherous position right now where they they don't want to go fill spots on the roster that would otherwise go to somebody like Julian Strother or Drew Timmy. And there's not like a lot of the players that they're pursuing that they have been connected to that are, you know, that they're on top five lists or top 10 lists or that there's just been some rumor that they've at least reached out. I can tell you that I would prefer Julian Strother over pretty much all or the vast majority of the players who are out there. I would prefer Drew Timmy over all of them. That is not a debate at all. And frankly, I'd probably prefer Bolton over a good chunk of them, at least a, a quite a, quite a bit of them. So if there's any chance that those guys are coming back, it's going to be hard for Mark Few or Roger Powell or Stephen Gentry or B-Mike, whoever is doing the recruiting, to sell a, a kid on coming to this campus like, hey, you're going to play unless you're going to play it. You're going to start unless. And I don't know how those conversations go. I'm not super privy to exactly how they how they make these things work. But these kids aren't dumb and they understand that there's some potential movement that could still be happening. And if you're, you know, obviously the money aspect is certainly there and the notoriety aspect is certainly there. But if you're not sure what your your role is going to be and there's another program out there that is like, you're going to start. And there's not a lot of ambiguity about that. It makes some sense that you might choose that option. So it puts Gonzaga in a tough spot. It's There's not a clear solution other than really hoping that these guys make their decisions earlier than they need to because they have a long time until they have to decide whether they're going to stick in the NBA or return to school. So it kind of puts Gonzaga in a bit of a tricky spot. Hopefully they'll still have some 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 roster moves that they can make when if when these guys do make those decisions and they can kind of figure out how the roster is going to shake out. Uh, but Bolton becomes another piece that's kind of in that conversation that is, I think, probably not returning to school, but definitely could return to Gonzaga. And if they get a sense that he might be opting to do that, then it kind of muddies the water even more about their potential opportunities to uh, to, to add some more players to this team. All right, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to talk a lot about recruiting. We're going to talk about not, not transfers. We're getting straight into recruits. Class of 2023 guys that Gonzaga has showed some interest in. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. The 2022 NCAA tournament is in the books with a win secured by Bill Self and the Jayhawks of Kansas. While the Zags unfortunately fell short of the game's pinnacle week, that does not mean fans cannot remain in on the action. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Heck, they even have lines on a fight between Will Smith and Chris Rock, should you be so inclined. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. We're transitioning to talk about recruits, something we haven't done a whole lot of dedicated conversation to recruits because there hasn't been a lot of information out there. We touched on that a lot in the first segment. It gets touched on quite a bit on Mailbag Monday. People are wondering, why does Gonzaga only have one player committed in the class of 2022? Why is the class of 2023 so barren? Why are we not seeing a bunch of high-profile players want to come to Gonzaga the way that we did with the Tricky Trio, the way that we did with you know, Salas and Hickman and Holmgren last year. And certainly there's some 
reason for consternation. We talked about it a lot in the first segment of why some of this might be happening, why a player like Anthony Black might opt to go to Arkansas, why Sky Clark would decommit but then not come to Gonzaga. And some of it is is maybe other reasons. Maybe Gonzaga is struggling to land some of those high-profile players because of NIL, whatever it may be. But right now they got some names that are cooking. They got some guys that they're talking to. Uh, the most recent thing that happened, the biggest news on the recruiting train for the Zags, they made an offer to 2023 guard Wesley Yates. He's a six foot four combo guard out of Texas. According to 24-7 Sports, he is the number 36 player in the class that is higher than most of the other players Gonzaga has been targeting in the class of 2023. So this is a big fish. This is a big kid that they are looking at trying to get into the program. He has offers from a whole bunch of schools. I want to say it's like 25 or so Auburn. Alabama, Baylor, Creighton are just a few of the many, many schools that are looking at this kid. Uh, Just from reading the report and watching a handful of little YouTube videos on him, I don't have a ton of information for you. Uh, He's a very, very good shooter. He's a bit streaky, but most high schoolers are a little bit streaky. When he's on, he's hitting from deep. Like he has NBA range already, and he's a junior in high school. Super athlete, hyper, hyper athletic kid. You know, maybe not quite on the Hunter Salas level, but like is going to be one of the better athletes that Gonzaga's ever had should he come to Spokane. Uh, He's a good defensive player. He's still got some instinct stuff to work on. But again, when you're 17, who doesn't have that Uh, really talented young man? I think he could he would be a huge, huge get for Mark Few for their staff. Obviously, you know, Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman are both still around, but they Maybe looking at being two and duns, potentially. Uh, We don't know exactly how the year is going to shake out. Salas, I've I've mentioned on here, is a player that I think has a very realistic possibility of popping in a major way next season to the point where he is an NBA draft prospect uh, and he is out the door. And if they could supplement him by adding Wesley Yates into the mix, that would be just a tremendous uh, switch from to go from Suggs to go to Salas to go to Wesley Yates just would be a, a tremendous group of, of I say combo guards Suggs technically played a lot of point guard but you know he, he also played a lot off ball and I think that that would be a really nice progression of guys uh, for the Zags that's not all they're not just looking at Wesley Wesley Yates uh, Mark Few and the staff I know Roger Powell was down there We're visiting Dusty Stromer and Layden Blocker down in Indiana uh, for some of the tournaments going on there, high school tournaments. These guys are both class of 2023 players as well. Stromer's probably a name you recognize uh, if you've been paying attention to Gonzaga on the recruiting trail. He visited Spokane on November 13th of 2021. Uh, He was really highly regarded as a prospect. It was kind of most people reading the tea leaves and thought this is going to get done. Gonzaga is going to land this kid. Uh, at this point, it's become a little bit murkier, which I know is not what people want to hear. Uh, a lot of people think UCLA is now the favorite to land him. He is from Sherman Oaks, California. So if you wanted to stay a little closer to home, certainly UCLA would make some sense for him there. 6'6", combo guard, 42nd ranked prospect in the class of 2023, according to 24-7 Sports. As for Blocker, he is... A six foot two point guard. He's from Arkansas. He's number 40 in the class of 2023. So Gonzaga's kind of right in that 35 to 45 range. They're targeting a lot of prospects right in that spot. Uh, Blocker has a bunch of offers as well from his home state of Arkansas. Auburn's has an offer out at him. Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma. Again, a lot of those very high profile programs in the middle of the country have made offers to him. Uh, and now Gonzaga is showing some interest as well. 
And then finally, the last thing I wanted to talk about regarding recruits is about the one recruit who has committed to Gonzaga already, who is in the fold. That is Braden Huff, who is joining the Zags in the class of 2022. He was named Mr. Illinois. He was named the best basketball high school basketball player in the state of Illinois. A nice accomplishment for him. I saw Coach Roger Powell tweeted out uh, the picture of him celebrating being Mr. Illinois and kind of said something along the lines of like, he's not going to be disrespected anymore. I don't remember the exact words that he used, but effectively implying that like, hey, he's not being regarded as as good of a prospect as he actually is. Gonzaga has found a lot of these guys in the past. Uh, We kind of, right now, I think a lot of the fan base is lamenting that they're not, they don't have a lot of other five stars lined up uh, in future recruiting classes. And like I said, I can understand why after getting so many of them over the last two years, it's kind of hard to, to not bring any more. But this, one of the hallmarks of this program is, is the player development to get players who came in as three stars or maybe low end four stars or international recruits where they're very poor at ranking them. So some of these guys were like 120th in the class, like DeMontis Sabonis or Rui Hachimura in part because they didn't really know how to rate them. But Gonzaga's ability to develop players has always been top notch, one of the best, if not the best in the entire country. And when they've started dabbling a little bit more in one and dones and two and dones, and certainly the transfer portal has changed some of that for them as well, the ability to kind of replace players quickly because they don't have to sit out for an extra year. Uh, It has kind of altered what they do a little bit, but at the end of the day, this program is very, very good at developing players. Braden Huff is likely going to come to Gonzaga as a three, maybe four-star recruit. 24-7 Sports still has him outside of the top 100 in his class. And so he's going to come. He's going to not play a ton as a freshman. Depends on how the roster shakes out. But even, even if they don't add anybody to the front court, which would be very shocking, Andrew Timmy leaves. That's the absolute, absolute worst case scenario. I still think he's probably behind a healthy Caden Perry, Ben Gregg, and of course, Anton Watson. So he's still probably not playing a ton as a freshman. More than likely, Gonzaga adds at least one transfer or Drew Timmy returns or both of those things happen. And at that point, Braden Huff probably doesn't play at all. He may completely redshirt, uh, depends on the health with Caden Perry. But ultimately, he's not going to be a guy who contributes much in year one. But I bet knowing this staff and the success that they have had with young bigs, for well over a decade at this point. It was 10 years ago when Kelly Olenek went through his monster development. I, that If that doesn't make you feel old, I don't know what will because it sure as heck makes me feel old. But that's the way that this program has continued to develop players. And, and Huff is going to be a guy who I really believe when he's finally playing real minutes, like when he, he may be a backup as a sophomore, maybe as a junior he starts to pop. I think he's going to be really, really good. He's 6'10". He can stretch the floor. He's a good outside shooter. He's got a good feel for the game. We'll need to see how he how he develops defensively, uh, how he shuffles his feet, how he use, utilizes his physicality on that end of the floor. The low post scoring is something that I think will come with time. I'm not sure where he's going to be at with that right now. The adjustment from high school to college is hard for just about everybody uh, in terms of trying to figure out how to score against collegiate level bigs. But again, when you're 6'9 and 6'10 and you can shoot, you're going to be pretty darn good. If you can fill out the rest of the stuff, I think you're going to be a big time contributor. And so I'm really excited about Braden Huff. I think it's worth remembering that, yes, Gonzaga doesn't have a lot of people coming in and that a quick look at the recruiting services are going to make it look like Gonzaga's recruiting is very bad right now. But those sites are maybe not giving Braden Huff enough credit or even it may not even be that. It may just be that Gonzaga can develop dudes really good. So maybe Huff is right now like 
appropriately ranked as one of the borderline top 100 guys in his class. But he's just going to get a lot better than some of those other guys are going to because he's at Gonzaga because of the development program that they have. So I'm excited to see what happens to him going forward. I think it's worth remembering that he's going to be a good player and that Gonzaga has has had tremendous amounts of success uh, over the last 20 years without landing a whole bunch of five-star kids. So even if they don't get as many of the guys that we're hoping they're going to get, even if they don't get any of these three other players that we talked about in Yates or Stromer or Blocker, uh, Brayden Huff's going to be good. And I think it's worth trying to think about that uh, because I know that some of the other recruiting stuff has been a little frustrating for Gonzaga fans. All right, two segments down. We're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to touch on the legacy, quote-unquote, of NCAA President Mark Emmert. We're going to talk about Brandon Clark's excellence in the playoffs for the Memphis Grizzlies. And we're going to talk about a new assistant coach in the WCC who Zag fans should be pretty darn familiar with right after this. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still... Locked on Zags, we're talking. NCAA President Mark Emmert announced that he is going to step down. His 12-year run as the president of the NCAA is over officially in June of 2023 or sooner if a replacement is selected and like brought up to speed before then. That's kind of that's how these things go. I remember that was the case with the Pac-12 when they replaced their president and there was kind of a long waiting period before they actually brought in their new president. I was doing some research on Mark Emmert. Obviously, we all kind of know what his tenure has been like, and many people who've been following college sports closely have kind of not developed a very strong reputation or a strong impression of Mark Emmert for a lot of good reasons. Uh, I was reading multiple articles about him today, and this quote in an article at Sports Illustrated by Pat Ford uh, really stuck out to me, so I'm just going to read it because sometimes people who put pen to paper can can say things much cleaner than I would say them here in a podcast. So I'm just going to read what Pat Ford at Sports Illustrated wrote. If there is a less respected current CEO of any organization, I don't know who it is. The NCAA's outdated policies led to a public tipping point that was inevitable no matter who was president, but boy howdy did Emmert play the role of inept figurehead like it was a Hollywood script. I I don't know that I could add to this. <laughs> this is a perfect encapsulation of what Mark Emmert's tenure as the president of the NCAA looked like. He didn't have a lot of accountability. He didn't make a lot of decisions. He, he tried to delegate a lot of decisions away from himself. He could never seem to not have his foot in his mouth to the point where at most press conferences over the last six or seven years, more than half of his tenure as the president. There have been other people talking on his behalf. He has almost been told to not get words in because he doesn't say the right thing. He doesn't come across particularly well. So if other people are making the decisions behind the scenes, why is he the figurehead? Like if he's not going to be good in that role either, it just seems kind of silly that he was the person tasked with all this. He showed an inability and slash an unwillingness to punish the fact that Kansas just held up the trophy this year and signed Bill Self to a lifetime contract when there's like a four and a half year investigation into all sorts of recruiting violations happening at Kansas. 
and there's just there's nothing happening. Like we're not there's no resolution coming. The NCAA is going to fix it, I guess, when they feel like it. There's always the joke that they'll just punish somebody else. You know, like you get so mad at Kentucky, you punish Cleveland State, or I think the phrase is something along those lines. But that's kind of what's been happening here. Like Bill Self just walked away with a trophy in a national championship with no punishment for stuff that happened in 2017. And I know that these investigations take some time, but the FBI and the Congress is doing this. Like the NCAA is basically like, please help us. We don't have any ability to regulate our own product and our own organization. And obviously the NCAA is huge and it's not like it's a difficult or it's not easy to manage that as just one governing body. But it hasn't been done particularly well uh, in the last 12 years under Emmer. And he he's we have the Title IX issues. We have the, the flagrant disregard for the women's basketball tournament that happened last year that was kind of exposed by Sonona Price at the University of Oregon and a handful of other people. Uh, it's just been a messy. It's just been messy. I don't think this these last 12 years would have been a particularly easy time to be the president of the NCAA. Student-athletes have have advocated strongly for more rights. Uh, obviously, the NIL has been a significant change very recently, uh, a, a positive change that obviously needs to be regulated more than it is currently. We're, we're seeing some of the negative ramifications, and I think that the current pace, need it needs to be changed. But I think that the overall change is good. I'm not trying to give Emmert a lot of credit because he fought tooth and nail against this for as long as he possibly could. I think the transfer portal, again, generally good, but is not operating at a great efficiency right now. Like, it needs to be tweaked. It needs to be changed. Uh, but at the end of the day, Emmert never really did anything to positively push the NCAA forward. Anything that happened that was positive was enacted by people fighting against him most of the time, people, other people rising up and making changes or, or changes just happening organically that kind of happened to him as opposed to things that he actually pushed forward. So no idea who's going to take over, not going to speculate on that, not an area of expertise for me, certainly as we start to see some names, if there's people who have some affiliation with Gonzaga or college basketball that are relevant, we will happily discuss them because I am very curious what direction the NCAA is going to potentially go, but I am happy that the, 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 the moving forward for the NCAA is going to happen without Emmer. A couple more things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, we missed this in the first segment because we went long talking about Roz Bolton. So I want to bring up Tyrese Hunter, who included Gonzaga in his top six. He is a transfer from Iowa State. So this would be a phenomenal get for the Zags. Uh, he was not teammates with Rasir Bolton. Bolton uh, was obviously only at Gonzaga. Was only at Gonzaga this last year. Hunter was a freshman last year at Iowa State, so they did not overlap. Um, but, but again, it worked out real well when Bolton came to campus. Hunter would be fantastic. Uh, he's currently choosing between Gonzaga as well as Kentucky, Louisville, Tennessee, Texas, and Purdue. Most people think Kentucky is going to be the landing spot here. People were surprised he even released the top six because a lot of people feel like he's going to join Calipari and he's going to go to the Wildcats. He averaged 11 points and five assists per game last year. He had two games as a true freshman with 10 or more assists. That is fantastic. You don't see a lot of dudes with that level of passing prowess at the collegiate level. Getting him for another three years of eligibility would be awesome. He was also a 27% three-point shooter, so there are some cons. And him and Nolan Hickman playing together would be, they would have really, really good vision, really good passing ability, high IQ. The outside shooting would be a bit of a question mark. Of course, if Hunter was playing with Hunter Salas, Tyrese Hunter, Hunter Salas, fun backcourt, super athletic backcourt. 
not a great outside shooting backcourt. So there are some issues that Gonzaga would potentially need to work out there. But ultimately, I think Hunter would be a great get for the Zags if they're able to get him. We'll definitely keep an update here uh, as we see what ends up happening with his recruitment. A couple other things. Uh, the Grizzlies have figured out that Brandon Clark is good. So we are very, very happy about that. I've talked about the strange treatment of Brandon Clark on this podcast a handful of times, how he was revered as a as a rookie for the Grizzlies. They loved him. They loved what he was contributing. Then as a, uh, I was going to say as a sophomore, uh, in his second year, he kind of fell out of favor. They tried to get him to shoot more outside shots. By the time the playoffs rolled around, they just were not playing at all. Last year in the playoffs, Brandon Clark played 10 total minutes. That's it. That was all that he played in the playoffs last year. He, we were begging for Memphis to play him more or trade him, get rid of him, do something else with him. You're not valuing this guy. He needs to go somewhere else. Memphis figured it out. They figured out what to do with him this year. He had a much better role. He was utilized far more appropriately during the regular season. Now in the playoffs, he is absolutely crushing it. He is currently averaging 16.5 points and 8.5 rebounds per game in the playoffs. Again, this is a guy who played 10 minutes in the playoffs last year. The Memphis Grizzlies draft in 2019 will go down in history, not just because they used their second overall pick on John Morant, who was the rookie of the year, and then a few years later, the most improved player, which is a pretty wild stretch of time to get those two awards this early in your career. But they also used the 21st overall pick on Brandon Clark, a pick that we as Gonzaga fans knew was probably lower than where he deserved to go. And after seeing how he's performed in the playoffs, I think a lot of the rest of the league is starting to realize that they probably shouldn't have let him slip that far either. Final note for today, wanted to give a shout out to Gonzaga alumni Kyle Bankhead, who just got a new job, according to Jeff Goodman of Stadium on Twitter. He is now taking over as an assistant coach at the University of San Francisco. Bankhead is back in the WCC. He, of course, played at Gonzaga from 2001 to 2004. But then after that, he played a little bit professionally for a few years, and then he ended up getting a job as an assistant coach at the University of San Diego from 20, 2007 to 2015, overlapped significantly with Bill Greer, who was an assistant at Gonzaga when Bankhead was playing on that team. So had some familiarity with the conference at that time, was an assistant there for nearly an entire decade. Then he spent four seasons at UNC Greensboro, came to Abilene Christian last year where he was an assistant head coach. Abilene Christian nearly made the NCAA tournament. They almost upset everybody in the whack and went dancing. Didn't quite get it done against New Mexico State. Now it looks like Bankhead is going to be on the staff at USF, a staff looking to, of course, move on from the Todd Golden era after Golden took the head coaching job at Florida. Uh, huge shout out to Bankhead, a very successful coaching career. Uh, obviously, USF uh, is a high-profile program right now. He's taken over as one of the assistants, uh, has the opportunity to move up from there. So happy for him. Happy to have him back in the WCC. I'm sure Coach Few is going to be excited to see him the first time these two teams match up next season. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Closing out the week with a big update on our very, very good baseball team at Gonzaga on Friday. So don't miss that right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available now on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Now's a great time to make your second listen the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. With the college basketball season wrapped up, give Raphael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA Draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.